You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from If you love something, if you have a strong passion for something. Life as we experience it, it's a big act, and the player is you. successful you're successful now now you know go out and be successful in something else i would have told myself to keep my head up man i mean there's there's there are far greater tragedies in life joe than not winning a super bowl man what up fam welcome back to the show today's guest is someone real special it's not too often that i get to connect with another former nfl player that played at my college university of nevada las vegas uh, I think I may be the last person drafted out of that school, and it's been over 10 years. And Adam Seward was drafted uh, before I got to college. So he's a couple years older than me, and he was someone that I really looked up to, even though I never had really met him, uh, because of what he had done uh, going from a small school, getting drafted, and playing the NFL for five years. Um, so I connected with him just a, a couple months ago and wanted to have him on the show so we could jam out and talk about our time at UNLV what it was like going to school in Vegas and our time in the NFL. And there's a lot of uh, similarities and uh, we we dive into uh, his transition out and how he navigated uh, that loss of identity and the structure that football provides. And what he did, which is similar to part of my journey, is he traveled. And uh, travel is such a powerful, powerful medicine, uh, especially when on the journey of rediscovering yourself. He went to Mexico City. And then he moved to Asia. I think he was abroad for quite a few years. He ended up learning four different languages. And he is just uh, a real go-getter. And he has found uh, a lot of success outside of the game. And I know this conversation is going to add a lot of value to you and your life. I hope you enjoy the show. But before we dive in, I want to mention the launch of a new powerful and transformative community. Although there are countless communities and networks of high-impact leaders, entrepreneurs, and influential visionaries, what they all lack is the depth of heartfelt connection that can only be achieved through what's known as communitas. Communitas refers to an unstructured state in which all members of a community are equal, allowing them to share a common experience facilitated through a rite of passage. This is what allowed me to create such unbreakable bonds with my teammates during my time in the NFL, and why I'm so passionate and excited about facilitating an initiation into a new type of community, one where all of its members are focused on embodying their highest potential and fullest expression, who also have the desire to use their impact and influence to create a more beautiful world right here and right now. If you're interested in learning more or feeling called to apply, check out the link in the show notes. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Adam, what's up, brother? How you doing? Joe, good morning. Thanks for having me, bro. I'm well, really well. Yeah, it's good to hear, man. I'm fucking stoked to uh, to drop in with a fellow UNLV rebel. It's not too many of us that that made it to the big show. Very few, actually. I think I might be the last guy that was uh, was drafted. I was over ten years ago, and uh, I know you played in 2000. I think you got drafted in 2005 or 2006, right before I got to UNLV. So I remember yeah. uh, hearing your name. Looking, looking up to you, and uh, we actually just connected for the first time a, a few weeks ago. I knew I had to have you on the show and, and to drop in uh, with some of your 
experience, man. Um, but yeah, man, I really appreciate having, having you. No, bro. It's always a pleasure to, to converse, man, with a former rebel. So always a pleasure. Yeah, man. Let's start with, with the college experience, man. I, the thing I, I always got, especially from other, you know, athletes I was, I was drafted with and players in the NFL, a lot of guys coming from top schools like, you know, Alabama and Florida and all these SEC schools or Big Ten schools or Pac-10 schools. Not a lot of guys coming out from the Mountain West, which I don't even think if the Mountain West is still a conference, but definitely not a lot of players from UNLV and a smaller school. And especially when I told people I played football in Vegas and went to college in Vegas, they always asked me, man, like, how, like, what was that experience like? How did, how did you, like, how did you survive? You know, cause everybody sees Vegas as this big party, you know, destination. So, you know, did you ever get that question and, and how would you answer that? How, how did you survive playing and having that experience of playing football and going to college in, in Las Vegas? Well, well, I actually moved here at a young age. So I, uh, you see the old school retro UNLV sweater here. Um, my dad coached here in the eighties under Wayne Nunley. Um, you know, Icky Woods was a freshman when he got here. So, uh, you know, he's the highest drafted rebel to date. I believe he is, um, early second round, but yeah, I was drafted by Carolina, man. So I went out to the Bible belt and I got the same questions. Uh, you know, I've never met anybody from Las Vegas and how did you survive? And I would lose all my money, all the stereotypical stuff here. Um, you know, I just, I tried to be an ambassador for Las Vegas, especially growing up here, going to high school here. Um, Las Vegas is dear to my heart and uh, I wanted to show people that, you know, Las Vegas produces good dudes and we're just normal people. And, and I think it's changing now with all the sports betting and, and, and you know, pro teams coming to Las Vegas events, you know, the, the, the final four, the West regional is going to be here in Las Vegas. So, so it's slowly changing. People are moving out here, but yeah, I mean, as early as what, 2005 when I was drafted, it was still this, uh, you know, I can't believe somebody's actually from Las Vegas mentality, but, um, to me, it was just like any normal college experience. I lived on the, I lived on campus, you know, third, fourth year I moved off and, and, and I had a great experience. I, I didn't play poker for a living. Like people say, and some people actually do. I have friends who finance their way through college playing poker. Um, but yeah, for me, it was, it was football. It was eat, breathe, sleep football. And, um, I enjoyed it, man. I enjoyed playing for UNLV. Uh, it was one scholarship offer. I was a two-star recruit. Um, so to touch on your point about some of the bigger schools, yeah, I had a chip on my shoulder and I wanted to prove that I could play. And, and, and I ran my mouth a lot when I play some of those big schools, especially ones that didn't offer me, um, you know, Bruce Snyder comes to mind. He was the head coach at Arizona state when I was getting recruited and he ended up being our offensive coordinator later in my, uh, UNLV career. And, and yeah, I lit into him. So where was my scholarship, man? He just, well, I ran out of scholarships, like ran out. I mean, meaning he gave it to somebody else. And so. Um, you know, what are they going to say at that point? You know, they probably should have offered me, but they didn't. And, and it worked out. You know, it worked out. And, um, yeah, now, you know, you and I and a couple other players, you know, we, we kind of carried a torch for those Rebels that were drafted. And, and yeah, wish there was more, but uh, hopefully there will be. Uh, but, but, yeah, it's it's hard to believe that, that probably the last five Rebels drafted, I mean, Eric Wright, Frank Summers, you, me, Ryan Claridge. There are probably a few more, and I hate to. Uh, can you name a few more? I'm, I feel okay. bad if I forget people. I was, you know, but yeah. So, I mean, did you did, not getting a lot of scholarship offers? Did that create a chip on your shoulder playing at a small school like like UNLV? And and how do you think that um, propelled you into an opportunity to get drafted? Because 
a lot of people aren't going to UNLV with the, you know, with the mindset. I mean, there's a lot of people that thought they were going to get drafted and didn't realize how hard it was. Um, but for me, I mean, I was a realist. I, I went to UNLV because I had a few other scholarship offers, because but I wanted to play right away. I didn't want to sit on the bench at one of these bigger schools for two or three years in redshirt. And I just wanted to play the game that I loved. And I remember had a few coaches that like, hey man, you play at UNLV, it's it's going to be a challenge to actually get drafted, but you're good enough to get an opportunity. And when I saw my name, you know, get called in the fourth round, it was like, holy cow, like, let's go. I got an opportunity. What was that process like for you going going through school and and uh, maybe having a chip on your shoulder and then being able to actually get an opportunity to get get drafted and, and go play in the league? Yeah, I mean, it was really special. It was scary at first, like you said. You you. You know, I wanted to get more offers. I, I you know, every, everybody gets letters and everybody, I think fewer people then get phone calls. And so you work your way up, you know, the, and then fewer people get actual um, official visits. Um, so I got a ton of letters, got a ton of phone calls, but I only got one official visit. I took a bunch of unofficial ones, but yeah, it was a, it was a, it was heartbreaking to get to the end when you think you're this great high school player and you get one offer. Um, so that took a while to digest. And then um, I went to UNLV and, and yeah, redshirted my first year. Played, played two games, but by, at, the, at that time you could play three and still redshirt. So then I, I came to grips with, you know, came to reality. And so maybe I'm not that good. Maybe I just need to work harder. So that pushed me to work hard. Um, and then my freshman year, redshirt year, I, I played. I started quite a few games and never looked back. Uh, but yeah, I think you have to come to grips and, and put it in the past and say, look, this is what reality is. This is what I wanted, but this is how it is. And, and you have to make a decision to move forward and not keep looking in the past. And and like I said earlier, I, I use that as motivation. I didn't say, well, I wish I would have been here. I wish I would have been there. Um, and, and so for kids who <clears throat> don't get the offers they want and they get a chance somewhere, like you said, you, you got it. You got it. You can't look back. You got to take it and run with it. And so I was a rebel. I was at UNLV. I didn't get offered by you know, Pac-12 schools, um, I use it as motivation and didn't say, you know, God, I wish I wish I could transfer now. I mean, no, I, I, I was a rebel man. And, and so I, I, I made as many tackles as I could, Joe. I made as many mm. tackles and I lived. Tackle machine. Uh, I, I lived, eat, I, I knew I could do it, man. And so, yeah, when mm. that Blesto and National Report, you know, those reports come out your junior year that show you kind of if you're draft eligible and I was really high on it. Then it was like, dude, I can do this, man. And then it even motivated me further to, to um, you know, to keep pushing and, and start working on some of those, you know, forty-yard dash, the 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 five ten five, some of those combine uh, drills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a testament, really, too, to any any young athlete that may be going to a small school, and not have a lot of those opportunities coming out of high school and going to college. That you know, the, if you're good enough, the NFL is going to give you an opportunity. I mean, I played with a offensive lineman that that played out of a D3 school, he was drafted in the second round. And so, you know, a lot of people were like, ah, oh, like I just didn't have the same opportunities or I went to a smaller school. It's like, if you're good enough, you're going to make it. And uh, one thing I want to talk to you about, because going to UNLV, I was one of the, another reason I ended up going to UNLV because they had a new coaching staff. It was Mike Sanford. And I really got sold on this, you know, I'm an, I'm an underdog mentality. And I, I had this, this dream of, of shifting this program around. And I said, you can be a part of something special. And at that time, I think we went 10 years in a row with two win seasons. And it was my, I think my junior year and my senior year, we ended up going five and seven, both those years, barely missing a bowl game. And it was a huge disappointment. I won't go too much into that. But I want to talk about, you know, not having success as a team, as a football player, how fucking hard that is. 
I was like, like, like as an offensive lineman, I wasn't a quarterback or a big star on defense or somebody that could really affect the game in a really big way. And so I, I played really hard and, and it's like, no matter how hard I tried, it's like, wasn't equating to, to victories on the field and, and the success that I wanted. And as a football player, you're reliant on a whole team. And just kind of want to hear your perspective on, on the challenges of, of not finding team success, even though you were find that, finding that individual success and having the path to, uh, to actually play at the next level. Yeah, well, I can say I didn't always handle it the right way, Joe. I, uh, you know, I made comments in the paper. Um, you know, I, I threw coaches under the bus. Um, I threw teammates under the bus and stuff that I really regret that I was young. I was stupid. Um, but you get frustrated, man, especially when you're out there making 16, 18 tackles a game. Um, and, 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 and you're just, you know, you know, a, you know, I, I don't want to throw kickers under the bus here, but yeah, a kicker misses a, a field goal, a chip shot to win the game. And, and you're, I mean, what are we doing here? Fuck those off. kickers, man. Yeah, you're <laughs> off one you, job. You, yeah. You, you lose a game, you lose a game seven to nothing. I mean, we lost to San Diego state at home, seven, nothing. We played Wisconsin mm. at Wisconsin and it is 11, nothing in the fourth quarter. It's 11, nothing in the fourth quarter, man. And we gave up a block field goal for a touchdown and two safeties. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you're just like, what, you know, you want to lash out. They're like, our coaches suck. Everybody sucks. Somebody do something. And and you don't know how to do that as a, as a, as a young player. I I guess some players are better than others. I was terrible. Um, So yeah, it it gets frustrating. Um, Especially going back when you are like a two-star recruit. And you're playing with these guys who were more highly touted out of high school, and 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 yeah, it it, it gets really frustrating, man. We were five and five and six my junior year, and mm-hmm. we had gone two and ten, I think, for ten or twelve years in a row as as, as as a university. And so we had this 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 we finally broke the two win record thing, and we were going. We were five oh. and six going into our last game playing at San Diego State. San Diego State was one and ten. They had lost to a, like a one double A school at that time. They were a terrible team. Wow. And so we're like, oh, we're going to go crush these guys. And it was it, for us to get into a bowl game. I think Colorado State had to lose and they played earlier than us and they lost. And it's like, oh, we punched our ticket. Let's go. Yes. And we go play this game, final game of the season. And we get smoked like 42 to 14. And it was just the most demoralizing, deflating, just like, fuck, man, are you serious? Wow. Like, I just never forget that, man. And then we went five and seven again my senior year. It was fucking, it's hard. Yeah, we went five and seven. So we went six and six my junior year. What have got us so bold these days. But um, yeah, we lost like two or three close games. We opened the season four and one. So <clears throat> it's hard, man. It, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, I, I really wish that, and I'm going to try to do this with my kids. I'm going to try to train them a little better and like handling the media. I don't think players get enough. I don't think you get enough coaching in that as a, as a, as a freshman in college, I think that should definitely be there. There should be more classes or more, more tutoring. I mean, imagine what they go through now with like social media and stuff. Like, holy shit, we didn't have to worry yeah, about it. You can just get on your that. phone and mouth off at any point. I mean, it's, 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 it's scary, but I, I definitely think that, that there, there is an art to that. And, and it's hard when you're young, you got to have somebody coach and tutor you um, not to just, pop off and how to carry yourself. And, and I, I didn't have that. And, and I got a little better in my pro career, but I still had moments. I mean, I had moments uh, when I was playing for Carolina where I'd have a big game and here I am sitting behind two pro bowlers and mm. okay, trade me or 
know, are you going to trade me or are you going to play me? I mean, you can't just sit me on special teams all whole life, but um, yeah, it's tough, man. It's a team game and there's beauty to that camaraderie. Um, but yeah, even I, you know, I watch these guys play tennis and I'm like, dude, I got my, I'm, it's just me, you know, I mean, I probably should have played an individual sport, but I don't know, bro. Dude, I, I think about that all the time. Like, what, what, how successful would I have been if I played an individual sport like tennis yeah. and like been able right. to focus and not? It's funny how when you're on a like a team that, like UNLV, where it's like no matter how much energy you put into it, you're, it's not equating to team success and how that you still feel like a failure. You still feel like there's like not what what else can I do? And you you naturally it's it's crazy. I've literally had those same thoughts of, man, I should have chosen individual sport because then I would be like it would all be on my back. And yeah, I would be able to find success. It's, it's fascinating that we yeah. thought that. I should have just been a better teammate, man. If I could go back, I'd have yeah, been a little it. more. I'd have just tried to, I would, I would have now look, well, I mean, looking back, Joe, when you made it, you're vested NFL veteran. I would, that's what I wanted to be. And so I was, you know, I put all my eggs into that basket. Had I known that things were going to turn out this way, I would have just focused more on my teammates, junior, senior year. I would have just, you know, I would have put more, I would have tried to do more to be a better teammate. And I think at that point, when you know that you're so close to your dream, for me, I, I, I didn't put as much into my teammates as I should have. And that's one of my big regrets. I, I was more out there to just like, look, what do I got to do to get drafted on the first day? At this point, if we're not going to win games and I'm, dra- I'm and I've got a chance to get drafted, you know, what am I doing here? I, I'm, you know, I'm going to try to get drafted. I mean, that that's, that's so, so whatever I could do, whatever I could showcase, um, it's what I did. And, and yeah, man, it, it's, it's, it's tough. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. You say that I feel like on reflection, one of the things that I reflect on is, you know, how could I have, I shifted the team dynamics or made a bigger impact no matter how hard I played on the field in between the whistles just wasn't enough. And what I realize on reflection now learning about myself is, man, I could have stepped up as a leader in a lot of different yeah, ways. Exactly. I could have challenged right the guys on, more to step up and, and made them play yeah, or, you know, inspired them to play with more heart yeah. in the way I was trying to do. But I had a lot of reasons why. And it was just, yeah, it was really oh. challenging in, in those days as a young kid to, to step up in that way. No, you're frustrated. Should I, I could have got up more in between series. I could have got up more and talked to my teammates more. I mean, how many guys were probably looking at me? And I just didn't see it because I was so focused on on getting to the NFL, not getting hurt, you know, mm-hmm. making the tackles I had to make. Um, you know, it should have been more about winning games. And 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 yeah, man, I, I guess I just got frustrated. I guess eventually it just got to me. And I said, Well, you know, if 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 we're not gonna win and 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 my coaches don't care and my teammates don't care. And I don't think that was the case. I think they were, they did care. I just, to me, they didn't care. If we're not winning, then they must not care. You know, I'm out here doing this. And, and so it was just a very, you know, kind of selfish perspective. And, and yeah, I could have done more, man. So yeah, I, I know, what do you do at this point, man? So, um, yeah, let's talk about your NFL career, making it to the NFL. How would you describe your NFL career, uh, in that experience? Uh, it was a, it was a dream, man. It was a, it was a dream. At the end of the day, you know, I, I wish I'd have played twenty years. I played five. It was your vested NFL veteran. You got. I heard my name called not on the first day, but on the second day. Um, it was a dream. I, I'll never forget it. Where I was when that call came from Carolina. Um, you know, going to camp, making the team as a rookie, um, playing in some big games. Uh, 
it, it was a dream. It was, there was, I don't know how else to describe it. It was a lifelong dream. You wish every birthday before you blow out your candles, Joe, you want to be, make it to the NFL. That's all you wish for. So what was your experience like getting that, getting that call, getting drafted and then showing up to the team and you're in the big show? I mean, for me, I, I went to a team, I was 21 years old. I was young. It was an older team. The locker room, the offensive line I went to, there were like a lot of guys in their 30s. They had been around and together a long time. It was an older, mm-hmm. wiser, more like anchored in team. And I felt so intimidated, like, holy shit, like, do I belong here? And the playbook's bigger. I felt frustrated trying to learn everything. And the speed was faster playing against the best players. You know, in college, I maybe play, played against an NFL type player like a couple times a year and going and playing and practicing against the best players in the world every day was just such a huge, it was just such a huge expansion of, holy shit, the talent here is crazy. Do I belong? And it really brought up a lot for me. So how did you handle that going from like, I accomplished this dream, got the phone call, I made it, everything I'd ever wanted is here. And then having to actually go show up at the facility. And and what was that experience like when you first walked into the room? Yeah, well, so, so I was hoping to get drafted a little earlier. I had a, I had a Jones fracture. I had a, a fifth metatarsal uh, fracture in my foot. I had a pin. The pin broke. That scared a lot of teams off. So I probably would have gone a little earlier. Uh, but Carolina took a chance on me in the fifth round. They had a really good foot doctor, and they needed a they needed a bigger linebacker. So um, yeah, it was scary for me too. Man. I mean, Dan Morgan had uh, just come off a Pro Bowl year, and he's the middle linebacker. And I I I catch the flight to Carolina, walk in, and I'm in this new city, and 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 walk in the room and the coach, the linebacker coach hands me this big playbook about that thick and just says, learn the mic, learn the mic. That's what he says. And then I sit down and um, yeah, Julius Peppers is in there. I mean, just some, you know, Mike Minner, Mike Rucker, just some, some guys you did. I, they had just been to the Super Bowl two years earlier. So now you're on the same team as these guys. It's really scary. And I had the same thoughts. Do I belong here? And, you know, you had some of the uh, kind of mid tier linebackers who saw you come in and they're now they're worried about their job. And so who's your friend? Who's not your friend? Because you're trying to be a team, but that's not the actual 53-man roster, man. You're going to go through cuts. So how, how do you, can you trust these guys? You're, you're, your head's spinning. You're trying to learn the playbook. And as the mic, you know, you're calling the plays. you got to learn the signals. Um, but it, it was scary, man. I mean, I'd come out with a – I'd tape my wrist up to about my elbow, and I'd have cheat sheets all down it, man, to try to memorize <laughs> yeah. All right, because yeah, it's 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 you know you're no longer calling strength. I mean, you're calling the strength to the receiver. You're calling the strength to the to the um, to the field. You know, there are different ways, different for, call, different defenses. You're not always calling it to the tight end. Um, so it was it was it was scary, but but you slowly settle in, and 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 I didn't come from the most NFL um, style defense. We ran a lot of fire zone at UNLV, so I had the fire zone stuff down. But but when it came to to dropping off a different receivers or, or, you know, three to two, two to three, things would change so fast. I, you know, you'd have to revert in the middle of the down, you're, you're off at three and then the receiver drags across the middle and you got to flip back and, and, and revert the coverage. That was really hard, but, but um, it was good, man. It was, I, I think I went into it more just trying to make the team because I didn't have that pressure to be a starter. I mean, I wasn't, Dan Morgan was the starter. When I, so so I actually leaned on him because I knew he was going to help me out, and he did. He's a great dude. He's the what, assistant GM of Carolina now, but oh, he really cool. helped me out. Yeah, he knew. He knew. Um, I made it clear to him indirectly as I like, look, man. I'm just, you know, I'm going to be playing special teams and back you up. And, and yeah, I got to play quite a bit that year. He had a few. 
concussions and, and, and I got to come in. Um, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic because I, I got drafted as a center and I, you know, you know, was, was drafted to kind of replace this, this long tenured center, Todd McClure, who at that time, I think he was a 12 year veteran. He ended up playing 14 years. Uh-huh. And it's an interesting dynamic because you have so much respect for this guy who's solidified as a leader and he's been a part of the same organization for such a long time. And, you know, I'm, I'm drafted to kind of replace him. He knows this, he's getting older, but there's this competition. But for me, it was this like, man, I'm learning so much from this guy. There's this like role model thing. And it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not really trying to take his position. I'm like kind of waiting and like doing my thing. And it actually created this, this interesting dynamic because I, I, it was the first year, my rookie year was the first year I was on the sidelines in my whole football career and, and wasn't playing. And it was so fucking hard for me. Cause like I said, I went to UNLV cause I wanted to play right away. I hated sitting on the sidelines. And so I just felt like this energy of waiting around and, you know, as a linebacker, you can play special teams. You can kind of, you know, rotate in a little bit more. So you're getting a little bit of playing time here and there or different downs, yeah, different like packages. Like a four linebacker an offensive package lineman. Still you oh. Yeah. I'm just sitting on the sideline. It was really, really challenging. And, um, you know, it really kind of created a bad first impression with the team of like, you know, who I was and, and what I was there to do. And did you, did you deal with any of those challenges of like, man, I got a pro bowler in front of me. How, like, how do I fit into this team? And, and am I trying to take his job? Like, how, how did you navigate that? Yeah, it was hard, man. It's like this reality show, like aspect to football. I don't know how to explain it, man. It's like, you're trying to play the politics like you got to know who to trust and who not to trust. You don't want to get voted off, but, but you know, yeah, yeah. You're competing, right? Like you want to be a good teammate. Like you want the coaches to see that you're being a good teammate, but at the same time, you're trying to beat these dudes out. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to beat you out. I'm trying to do everything I can to beat you out. And then, you know, the linebackers want to hang out after practice and you're like, do I hang out with these guys? Do I not? Can I trust them? Um, cause they're going to tell you to relax. Well, yeah, they're relaxed. Cause they're gonna make the team. I don't know if I'm make the team. I'm trying to, uh, should I break away from them then and kind of, you know, let them know that like, you know, screw you guys. I'm, I'm going to beat y'all out. And, and so that was really difficult, but yeah, for me, yeah, my, my first game, I mean, I was, I started on all four special teams. So I was, and I, and I was the fourth linebacker. So I was, I played quite a bit. It wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it was the, you know, as I develop as a player, are these, guys going to start, you know, are, are they going to kind of play tricks on me or are they, they going to yeah. like stab me in the back or how do I do it? So it's, it's, I don't know if it's different with O-linemen where you have five guys there and you're like a unit or if there's, you know, cause you can kind of rotate, right? I mean, you got a guy who can play tackle guard. I mean, so. Yeah. Um, was, I mean, there's five starters and this, this, the five starters, this is very rare. My rookie year, all the five mm-hmm. starters started every single game, which is really rare. I think there was only two teams that year that actually did that. There's usually injuries yeah. that happen. And, you know, I, I didn't play at all. I played one play because they thought, you know, Todd McClure actually was on the ground rolling around. I thought he blew his knee out. And I'm like, Jeez, okay, this is it. Yeah. This is my time. Like, I'm, I'm going to take over this job and be the guy. And it was a third down in the red zone, my first play in the NFL. It's actually, this is the picture of it right here, my first play, which okay. is really cool. And, you know, I snapped the ball and I'm like, all nervous, don't really block anybody. It was an incomplete pass, and then we get the ball back for to start t- a two minute drill. And I'm I'm huddling up, and I'm like, you know, rallying the guys. Lights are on. I'm just like, fuck, this is the big show. I made it. And then all the guys look at me like, Joe, you're out of here. I'm like, what? And I looked to the, <laughs> the tunnel, and Todd's running out with his freaking knee all wrapped up, and he didn't miss another snap the whole year. And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, wow. you know, there's it's interesting dynamic because there's a part of me that's like, okay, I'm, I'm like, it's my turn. He got hurt. I feel bad for him, but like, th- like my career, my livelihood, like this is my chance. And then it, 
Yeah, there's really interesting dynamics like that always happening, man. It's it's really, really fascinating how you can create a team culture where everybody's supposed to be bonding as a family, but also everybody's kind of out to get each other. And then there's the the front office. And it just feels like when you're in a locker room and oh. in an organization, everybody from the the freaking strength staff, third like the third person on the strength staff, the 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 training staff, the head trainer, the like everybody is looking out for themselves because it's like, yeah. if you don't look out for yourself, nobody else will. And you'll get like, the machine will roll on and you'll be out of there. Yeah. True, man. So like, who do you trust? How do you get along with these guys? How do you, how do you develop relationships knowing that these guys could be getting on tomorrow, the next day? And, and, and yeah, we, within the linebackers, within, you know, we just like to the strength coach, the trainers, do these guys really have my best intentions? Or are they really looking out for me? Are they looking out for somebody else? Are they looking out for themselves? Um, you know, is this trainer going to take me the right way? I mean, does he really want me to succeed? Does he like this other guy better? I mean, these are all things that went through my mind. I mean, maybe I'm weird, but or is this strength coach going to train me the proper way? Is he going to invest time into me? Does he really like me? I mean, so so just talking about like a reality show to me, it was very. Sometimes I felt like I had to put on a front and 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 kiss a little ass to try to get ahead. Maybe that's just life in general, show. But and I fucking hated that part of it. I hated all that. I, I wanted to play. It. Just put yeah. me on the field. I want to play. I'm not talking to anybody. I'll talk to you on the field. If you make good play, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna love you when you I'm just. It's just going to happen, you know, um, organically. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, if I have to like, you know, I'll, if, you know, if I have to have, if I have to buy my arm around you when the coach comes down the hallway so he knows that I'm a team player, I hate that, man. I don't want to do that. I so. know. I fucking hated that shit too. I hate brown nosing. Brown nosing, yeah, man. You know, asking, I got to ask a question in the meeting, man. If I don't ask a question, coach is not going to, I don't care. I'm going to get cut. I got to ask a question every time, even if it's stupid. I mean, if, even if it's something that I know that, you know, I, I so, so. I don't know, man. I, yeah, man. What are so? What are some of your some of your favorite mo- memories? Like, what's what's a like a top of the mountain, like pinnacle moment of your NFL career where you're just like, we're just like, this is fucking it. I made it. Did you ever have one of those? Or no, probably. Yeah, probably New England, man. New England, probably <clears throat> coming in for Dan Morgan. You know, taking Corey down, Corey Dillon down for a loss was a big you know guy I had on my fantasy team probably a year or two before that. Um, taking him down, you know, just, you know, breaking, you know, buckling Stephen Neal, big old lineman, um, wrestled at Cal State Bakerfield, I believe, um, knocking, you know, buckling him in the wedge. He was down. They had to come and take him off the field. Um, that was, that was my second game. Um, of your career? Uh, a, yeah. Playing against wow. Tom Brady. Yeah. New England. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was like a welcome. I you know, got the nerves out the first game we played New Orleans at home. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, all those games, my fourth, fourth game against Brett Favre, um, yeah, stuffed, uh, his name, Amon Green, stuffed Amon Green for no gain on third and one to force a punt. Um, yeah, the announcer, I guess, I guess John Madden thought I was Dan Morgan. He's like, that's another Dan Morgan like tackle by Dan Morgan. I'm like, come on, he's cheating me out of my glory moment there, dude. But, <laughs> but I mean, was yeah, you watch that afterwards on the, I watched like, it watch afterwards, the yeah. I walk because somebody said like they didn't even give you credit for that. I was like, you know, how'd that make you feel? "Ah." I mean, I I joked. I kind of gave Dan Morgan a nudge afterwards, but he wasn't having any of it. That's why I go back to the politics. I was like, dude, give me be happy for me, dude. You're not. I'm not gonna beat you out here. But he was like, yeah, whatever, man. I was. I went back in like next series. I'm like, all right, dude. So, um, you know, well, Dan's great, man. Dan's good uh, good people. But um. Yeah, yeah, it was it was stuff like that, but that that was that was a lot of fun. That Monday night game, 
against Favre getting out there. But, you know, these are just bits and pieces that rookie year that, that when I, you know, you look up on Monday Night Football and you're like, man, I made it playing against Brett Favre. Like I watched the kid. I think my mom, trying to think when it was, I probably 10 years old. She took me to Soldier Field in Chicago to see Bears Packers. And I'm watching Brett Favre in like this snowsuit. I'm freezing in that stadium. And then you get to play against the guy. So, uh, I mean, you probably played against guys like that. You looked up to them or defensive yeah, One guy players. that I got to play with, which was yeah. really cool, was Tony Gonzalez. Uh, towards the last, you know, last three years of his career, he played for Atlanta. And um, he was the one guy when I met him in the locker room, I was just like, whoa, because he played at Huntington Beach, which is right down the street from my high school. It was in the same league as my high school. So he was talked uh, a lot about when I was younger as like the guy, local guy that, that made it the Hall of Fame, one of the best tight ends, not only the best tight ends, but best receivers to ever play the game. So just being in his presence, I was just like, holy cow. And I actually got to know him really well and, and had some some experiences with him off the field. And yeah, he's just such a good dude. And I was just so grateful to to be around players like that. And, you know, the longer I played in the league, like all of that wore off. It's like, oh, these are just guys. I remember having a moment when I was, you know, I think it was like my sixth or seventh year in the league. And Mike Evans was like, went up and made this sick one-handed grab in practice from Jameis Winston, like long ball down the field. And I was just like, holy shit, like, did anybody else see that? That was, it was crazy, but it was like, no, that just happened. Like, that's just, these players are the best in the world. And I had this that's moment, I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that's just the These are the best players in the world. And, and I'm here and I'm playing. And it was like, I, I didn't allow myself to really connect with, holy shit, I'm one of the best players in the world. Because where I was, and I'm sure you can relate to this, is if you allow yourself to feel comfortable and be like, I made it, you'll be out of there in a second. Someone else will take your job. You have to have this, this chip on your shoulder of always having to prove yourself. And it's one of the reasons why when I got towards, you know, the later part of my career and my, my eighth and final year, I started, I started really connecting with like, man, I'm tired of having to fucking prove myself to everyone. And like, what is, what is all this for? It happened to me too. I started to get a little tired. Of, I got tired of the training. I got tired of being injured, but yeah, I got tired of, proving myself too but but yeah i yeah that's i i yeah eventually that that started to wear off and i just didn't feel the desire to, to prove myself anymore i i i felt like i already had i was like what you know my am i just going to keep playing years here i mean I've, I've i've made it i mean i i'm a vested nfl veteran whether i play five years or 10 years or 20 years i mean is another pro bowl or, or i guess that a Pro Bowl, I never made one. But if I make a Pro Bowl, if I make, if I'm all pro, if I win a Super Bowl, I mean, to when's me, enough going to be enough? When is enough going to be enough? And eventually, yeah. I, I just wanted to do other things. I, I never, I never got to do a study abroad. Show. I mean, I was in college. Everybody did study abroad. So I went to Italy, yeah. traveled, and I never. It was football for 18, 19 straight years for me. If you go back to Pop Warner, every year. Do you, have, do you remember the moment when you, when you like, do you, was there a specific moment you remember when it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done like this? Like I, I, it may not have been the moment you said you were done, but that moment when you realize I'm, I'm on the way out because I just, I just, this isn't lighting me up anymore. Yeah. I think my fifth year after I had a spot, I had a bad sports tourney against the Eagles. Um, I remember that play vividly. I was visiting, we're in Philly and I'm playing Tampa two, um, break on the ball and I felt everything just rip finish the game, finish the season. Um, but the second game then, um, that was a, it was a third preseason game. The second game I go out and play and it just, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. Um, and I think after that game, I was like, man, I'm done. I'm sick. I'm so tired of this, man. It just wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't fun. And I just, then you start blaming yourself. You're like, well, am I doing something wrong? Like, why am I getting hurt? Maybe it's gotta be me. 
It can't just be, you know, it can't just be chance. Like why, what am I doing wrong? Like I'm training my ass off here. I'm taking care of my body. Um, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I think, yeah, that the rest of that year, I kind of just, I just didn't have the motivation to do it anymore. I wasn't like, I hadn't just training my ass off day in and day out. It just got tiring. I didn't have that motivation. Like I had years past where I was working toward a goal. It was just something that was just, I was squatting 400 pounds to squat 400 pounds. Yeah. And if you don't have that desire and that passion, I mean, you can't do it. Yeah. Well, there was no motivation. I was just, you know, I was sick of being 250 pounds. I wanted to do other things. And so, yeah, after that fifth year, man, um, I mean, I had a tryout. I got released from Jacksonville, I think with four games to go. And I was like, well, maybe if I hold out, like I can, I'll, I'll kind of get the fire back. Uh, Miami actually brings me in the last week of season for a tryout, but I was 227 and they ran a three, four. They want, they expected me to be 250. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I, I worked out okay, but they wanted me to be like, this guy's 227. I mean, so they ended up signing a guy after practice squad. They didn't sign me. And then, yeah, I mean, I was kind of ready to do something different. I, I, I suppose if I had a call, I don't know what I would have done. I would have, I just, I, yeah, sure. I'll show up, but I'm not going to make your team. I, I just, you're already out the door. Yeah. Prior reason I went to Mexico, man. I was like, well, if I go to Mexico, then nobody can bother me. So yeah, tell us about that. So this process of letting go and you're kind of in one foot in one foot out, realizing it's not really feeling in alignment anymore. You know, what's next? I'm sure you're having these questions of, okay, now, now what do I do? And, and there's an excitement to that. Like I remember being like, I don't know what my life is like outside of this identity of a football player. And there was a part of me that was excited about experiencing the freedom from that, traveling, like you said, experiencing things that I never had an opportunity to because I was just always focused on this one thing. And, you know, as I went through that process my final year and finally walked away, when the finality of, of I'm never going to be able to play this game that I really, really loved and put so much of my life into, the finality of that hit me. And it was actually... It felt like an actual void in my heart. And there was this, there was this grief and emotion that I just had never felt before. But it led me on this process of, of really wanting and desiring to know who I am underneath this facade of a football player. What was that experience like for you, uh, finally walking away and, and knowing you're never going to play again? Oh, it was scary. It was, it was, I was scared, scared shitless, man. I didn't know what to do. I cried. I cried at my mom. And now here I'm 28 years old. I, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Like, what, who am I? What am I? What am I doing? And I think the hardest part, Joe, was that everybody, everybody thought you were crazy. Like you, you had this, you had this, you, 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 you had this picture in your mind of what your life could be after football, what it could be. And it, it was a little blurry, but you, you were excited about doing something. But everybody thought you were nuts. They're like, what do you mean you're not going to play football anymore? Like they just, they, they, if it was football or bust, like if you don't, some people thought if you don't play football, like you're a failure. If you're not playing football, like this is who you are. And so that for me, I had to get away. I had to reinvent myself. And, and, and. Was there specific people, like specific conversations you remember having with people? Was it, was it friends? Was it family? Was it relationships? Were yeah, it was a relationship. Like, what? Let me talk about you're done playing. Like, yeah, you get, was, I had a girlfriend. I had a girlfriend at the time who was like, you know, what do you mean? You should, you should keep going. Like, you can do it. You're a good player. And it wasn't that I wasn't good. I just, I was tired of. Um, I was just tired of the training. I was tired of the grind um, after so many years of it, being injured, frustrations. You know, like just working my ass off and being what I thought was perfect shape, and then you have this high ankle sprain. 
and you're out for five weeks. But why is that? What did I do? I'm, I'm just trying to play. So, um, and your parents, like, you know, this is who you are. And, and, and I don't know, maybe to them, Joe, maybe to them, like I was, I was, I was this figure or they, they talk a lot. Like my son plays in the NFL or my boyfriend plays in the NFL. And to them, that was, that gave their life a lot of meaning. I don't know. And so you felt like you were letting all these people down if you mm-hmm. did walk away from the game. And I think that was really hard for me. And that's another reason why I, I, I wanted to just to get away. Like it wasn't going to be enough for me to, to like go into broadcasting or go into coaching. Cause I would still, you know, I, I that wouldn't change me. I'd still be a football player. Um, and so for me to really change and really like die and be born again, I had to get away. I had to get away and come back as something different. And, 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 um, you know, I knew a guy named Rob Morrissey worked for the NFL, New York headquarters. Um, I kept in touch with them throughout my career and, and I hit him up and just said, Hey, would you have anything in New York? I'm going to go to New York and get out of here. Um, and he didn't have anything, but he did me one better. He said, no, but we got a position in Mexico city. I was like, that's even better. I'm gone. So I took off and, and flew down to Guanajuato. It's a tourist destination. That's actually a really safe part of Mexico. Um, and, and, lived down there for four months, studied Spanish and, and had the best time of my life, best time of my life. And, and nobody understood it. See, this is the thing. When you play football, everybody gets it. Everybody understands why you're doing it. It, it makes sense to them. Nobody understands why you're going out to Mexico and working some low level, low pay job. That sounds stupid to these people. And, and yeah. so I actually, then you feel like you're letting them down, but, but I actually grew to appreciate it because it was me for once in my life, I was doing something that I wanted to do. And it was only me. And nobody else could understand it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, this is me. This is something that I have for myself. And, and I enjoyed sharing football with other people. You know, you get them tickets, you talk about the games, they tell people about you. Nobody's telling anybody I'm down in, you know, Mexico city, man. So, so, you know, I, I got to do something that I, I, I felt like it was just, I didn't have to share with anybody else. And I don't know if that sounds selfish, but, but it was really therapeutic for me, man. Yeah, that's powerful, man. I, I feel the same way. It's it's crazy the the correlations of our story of of wanting to do something for myself and nobody really understanding why I was walking away in my prime. You know, my parents are like, "You're going to say no to millions of dollars?" And like, "What are you yeah. going to do? Get a like a job?" I'm like, "Well, get a van? Do you get a van and a dog? And what do you do? Drive around? I mean, like, yeah, who's going to understand? For, for yeah, who's going to understand that, dude? And yeah. and so it's hard. Like, did you have? I don't. know, Did you have to do? Did people call you and like, what are you doing? Like, are you? Yeah, man. When are you going to go? When are you going to alone? So. I felt super isolated. I felt like nobody really understood. Like, it's very similar to what you're saying, man. And I yeah. so, somehow I intuited, like, I need to go on an adventure and I need to let go of all of this shit and just, just come back to myself and, and figure out who I am. And I don't know where that intuition came from, but it was this, this desire to go on a pilgrimage to experience my freedom. And I'm so grateful that I had the courage to do that because if I didn't do that, I would have even just stayed in Tampa. And then the next season would have started, I would have just had all of this, like, man, this stagnant energy of like everybody, my whole life, what I would be doing is moving on without me. And now I'm just kind of stuck here. I just knew I needed to get moving and I needed to go somewhere. And I wasn't planning to do it for a couple of years. And I wasn't planning to go like really, I think at the time it wasn't this like knowing to go find myself. It was, holy shit, I have no idea who I am. There's this huge, unknown, scary thing in front of me. And so I'm just going to get moving and I'm just going to start going somewhere. And so same with you, like going down to Mexico, like I give me an opportunity. I just need to go change my environment and go do something. And I think a lot of people, even, you know, not just athletes, like a lot of people are, there's a lot of shifts happening in their lives. And 
a lot of people hang on so tightly to who they are, what they do, where they live, and the universe or some something deeper within themselves is calling them to say, hey, you're no longer satisfied with this thing. You're not happy, and you, but you're still struggling to make a change. And I think it's really powerful for people to hear like, I, you didn't go down to Mexico to go, you know, find the next thing. You just needed to go have some space to come back to yourself. And when you do that and you're able to let go of these things, that's when the next phase kind of starts presenting itself. But you have to have the courage to go, you know, fully separate yourself from this old way of being, which is really, really hard for people. It's super hard, man. It's super hard, but but it ultimately made me a better person. I mean, I, I, you know, your first year or two, you're, you're very, I was very frugal, but then toward my fourth and fifth year, when you're coming into a lot of money, uh, I can speak for myself, man. I mean, I bought a Range Rover cash. This thing was TVs in the back. Uh, I mean, I, I wanted to treat myself because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I mean, I, I, I shouldn't be driving around in my lifted Jeep. I should, my teammates have this stuff. I should have it. You get the Louis bags. I did a lot of that stuff and I don't regret it, man. That was just, I'm 25. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm out dating girls. I'm going to, you know, I'm in the NFL. I'm going to have a good time. Um, but yeah, going to Mexico, China, Japan, it made me such a minimalist, man. Cause I, I, I had to leave all that stuff behind and it, it totally changed my way of thinking. And, and yeah, I mean, you come back to the States and I'm just totally different person, still very, you know, I drive a 88 F one fifty. I bought for 900 bucks. Um, a 2012 Nissan Sentra I got for 6,500 cash. Um, just very, you know, just, I don't know, living in China, living in Mexico, Japan, it really, it really made, it forced me to appreciate, you know, non-materialistic things. Like I, I had to be okay with just me. I had to be okay getting on a subway. And, and I started to enjoy that. I started to enjoy um, that part of life that I'd never really had before. Just being, just being and you know just nobody knows who i am i've got to be happy i've got nobody knows me football's not here i've got to find a way to make it and and really it forced me to just you know dig into myself and 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 figure out who i am what makes me happy who am i and so yeah now i come back you know i i, I don't have any social media um i have a facebook but it doesn't have my real name it's just so i can get tenants cuz i use facebook marketplace mm. um and i'm very just fly under the radar. Um, you know, I have a real estate investment company, but it doesn't bear my name in any way. Nobody knows. Um, and, and, and I still try to carry those, uh, lessons I learned abroad and in, into my life today. But, I, but I think I do that with, I think that's where I came to grips with football, Joe. It's, it's, it was hard for me to leave, but I, I still carry all those lessons and all those, um, trials and tribulations. I carry that inside me. So I still feel like, you know, I, cause, cause at first it was like, I just, I just 17 years of my life is gone. Like, like you said, you know, you spent all this time playing this game and that's gone. And I had to, eventually I came back and said, look, it's not gone. Like all those lessons, all those experiences, everything that, you know, I learned is still in me and, and I can carry that part. That can be, you know, that can be my football, I guess, for a, for a lack of a better word. So, yeah. Um, takes time to integrate all that. And, and it's, I'm still integrating those, those parts of myself. And, you know, when I first walked away, it was, it was fucking hard. Cause I was like, there's a, there's a lot of different layers I had to uncover, you know, part of it was the politics. Like we talked about the, the business side of the NFL took a lot of the love I had for the, the, the pureness of the competition in the game that I love so much. And so all the bullshit that was involved, all the injuries, what I did to my body. Oh. And there was a part of me that, 
that was like, fuck, I just don't want to have anything to do with this anymore, the identity. And there was part of me that was pushing it away almost and, and kind of running away from it, wanting to be like, I want to be known for something else. And I'm just now five years later starting to integrate those parts of myself as, oh, that, that's still who I am. I've learned so much about who I am from football and I'm so grateful for the path that it's led me down. But it took yeah. me a while to own that. And I, I want to get more into your your journey from from Mexico. You said you went to China and Japan. You said you were in Mexico for four months. So, so take us on that on that journey of of self discovery and travel, what was the inspiration behind that, and, and what did you learn about yourself? Uh, you know, what was the the reason for going to these you know these these abroad places to live, and what was that experience like? You know, I wanted to improve my Spanish. I went to Guanajuato early. My, the job was actually Mexico City, um, but I went to Guanajuato. I, I I was reaching out to a host to a few host families in Mexico. I wanted to go somewhere I'd never I'd never been. I mean, I've been to I went to. Cozumel. I went to Cozumel once on a cruise, on a Panther cruise, actually, man, it was a team cruise. Um, but I wanted <laughs> to go cool. somewhere and learn and, 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 and immerse myself and get away, get away. Nobody knows me. I just, at that point I was so just hurt and devastated. I, I just wanted to get away from everything. And then once my Spanish got the par, then I went to Mexico city for what, three years. I was there three years, had a radio show with a bunch of guys talking NFL NCAA and then Mexico college football. Were you talking in Spanish and, or was it like a bilingual Spanish, radio Talking all in Spanish, man. Dope. All in Spanish, dude. It was all in Spanish. I wanted to get to that point though. And I knew I had to, you know, I had to train, man, just like football. I had to apply those same principles. And, but just what was the inspiration of wanting to learn Spanish? I wanted to succeed, man. I wanted to make mm. it. I wanted to, I wanted to be a success. And I was, I was so devastated. I felt like I was, I felt like people perceived me as a failure. And I wanted mm. to prove people wrong and I wanted to prove myself right that I could do it. People so, in Mexico uh, or your family from walking away from the NFL? Everybody in the, anybody and everybody in the States, man. Anybody yeah. and everybody who may have thought like, oh, you're not playing anymore. You suck. So yeah, why Spanish though? Spanish yeah. was how you're going to prove that you were successful or is it more of a personal well, challenge of like, just I expect to be personal, Yeah, Yeah, more of a personal challenge and this is what's in front of me and I have a chance to maybe make it with the NFL on the business side. And, and so I'm going to go down there and do that. And, uh, yeah, I, I took, you know, six hours of classes a day, five days a week, man, just, just Spanish, 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 you know, you got a Spanish speaking girlfriend, old Mexican girlfriend down there. All your friends are, are from That's Mexico. Fun. And then, yeah, when I got to Mexico city, I, I still keep these friends. I still have to keep in touch today. Guys, um, um, who worked with me in the NFL office, uh, guys, my age, you know, they got me into kind of the Mexico city, a little social scene. And so we'd go out and salsa dance and 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 you know drink tequila and uh how did, i mean once just, you once you became bilingual and you you kind of accomplished that goal i mean how did how did you feel about yourself did you did it did it kind of fill that void and make you feel like yeah. okay i'm i proved to myself that i could do this yeah yeah i started to feel better about myself i felt yeah. more confident i felt like hey you know maybe there's more to this maybe there's more to me than i thought um i, I still wanted to stay away from the actual league um but i was working for the league so that was kind of hard because you know you're, you're running like a Super Bowl event. They're like, hey, former NFL player Adam Seward's going to run a couple of different drills and he's going to, you know, you're going to throw a ball through a hole and then he's going to do some cones, you know, and then people are like, do you know Tom Brady? You know, stuff like that. I'm like, the fuck? I'm trying to get away from all this stuff, man. I just want to just, I'm down here to step, you know, who are you? You know, so um yeah. that was still that kind of stuff comes back and you're just like, ah, you know, so. Um, so is that what made you say, fuck this, I'm going to go to Japan now? Well, eventually I wasn't, they weren't going to offer me a full-time position. Uh, NFL okay. Mexico wasn't, and that's what I wanted to, um, you know, I felt like the NFL, 
they have a really good program to get guys abroad. I don't know how they're, how serious they are about hiring you full time. They'll get you down there, but they, now you're with the locals, you know, they have people they hire in the local market and they're all really cool, but do they really want an American working in the office and they weren't going to give me a position. And so I said, well, I don't, well, I'm not ready to come back home. Um, I reached out to the lady at the NFL office and she said, yeah, you know, you want to go to China. We'd love to have you. You've done a great job. Go to China. And so I did the same thing, man. Found a, found a family in Beijing because Beijing's where the office was at the time. It's since moved to Shanghai. Did you learn Chinese? Learn Chinese, man. So you're trilingual? How many languages do you know? Four. Spanish, Japanese. Wow. Yeah, man. So, um, And you got these opportunities through the NFL. The NFL set these up for you and they were like, do they have offices in all, all over the country or all over the world? What, what is that? So they do. They have, from what I know, I'm missing a few probably, but London, Germany, Brazil, um, Canada, Mexico, China. And what are um, these, what are these, these, why do they have offices there if they're not playing football? Is it more like kind of taking over the world type business, like marketing yeah, and just having a presence? Promote the league. They want to promote the yeah. league. They want to have a presence down there and do you know run events and 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 help out with the local football market. Um, and, and yeah, so they they you know, you know promote do events during the Super Bowl. So I traveled all over China. That was a blast, man. Going to like Guangzhou, Shanghai, doing events. Barry Sanders came down to a Guangzhou event. I got to hang out with him. Super cool dude. Real humble. Um, had a Chinese quarterback hand the ball off to him. I mean, how cool that was it for that guy? I mean, we were like, you know, doing a demonstration for these fans and the MCs like, you know, Barry's in the backfield, ready to go, man. Looking like, you know, something out of the 91 NFC championship game. And, uh, yeah, guy snaps the ball, this little Chinese, you know, he's probably 16 and hands the ball. Barry comes through, man, everybody claps. It was just really cool. I organized all that. So Wow. That gave me a lot of joy. Um, Cordell Stewart came down once. Um, I'm trying to think of all the guys we had. We had a few guys. Um, probably forgetting a few now. Um, but do you think it helped you with this transition being a part of the game in that way? Was it like just in, like far enough? Uh, you distanced yourself far enough away from like the actual game in the states, but you still got to be a part of the game even in this way. Did that? You think that helped you with the transition? Yeah, it kind of. Um, it it it. it it, it validized, it gave my career kind of that, that, the, the, that validity I was looking for. Um, you know, we're in the States, there's so many good players everywhere and you're just some guy, you know, oh, I know an NFL player and I know what I want to, but in Guangzhou, China, you felt like, you know, I, re- I guess I really did accomplish something and, and it started to feel that way. Like, Hey, maybe I wasn't a failure. Maybe, maybe five years in the NFL is a really big accomplishment. Mm. You know, maybe I should stop feeling sorry for myself. Maybe I should, try to come to grips with this and say, look, I did have a grip. Maybe, maybe at the time I thought I should do better. And, and that's just a competitor in me. You want to play more years. You want to make more tackles. You want to win more games. Where do you think that, that, where do you think that desire to be great or wanting to be known? Like, obviously like I, I've, cause I feel the same way. It's like, I feel like I never really fully accomplished what I set out to do. And I feel like I never really would looking at it now. I mean, it's like Tom Brady, right? Like he's won however many Super Bowls and he's still coming back for more. And where do you think that desire to be known, to be accepted, to be validated for being a good player, where do you think that comes from? I just, you know, I don't know, man. Maybe it's just a human trait, I guess. I mean, everybody wants to be seen. Everybody wants to be to be validated um, for, for in, in their own minds. And everybody has different standards. 
And I think we're all validated to a degree. I mean, people recognize you, people say hi, but, but, you know, I don't want you to say hi when you ask me how I'm doing. I don't want you to ask me how I'm doing. I want you to ask me how, you know, how my life is going. Everybody wants more and everybody expects a, a, a certain amount from society, I suppose. And, 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 and yeah, I, I, I eventually was able to get out of a lot of that by going abroad and like, I'm like, okay, I have to come to grips that nobody in this country knows who I am and nobody's really going to care. So what am I going to do here? Whereas in the States? Yeah, it was for me. Yeah, I was, you know, I'm going to drive my Range Rover to, to the Palms casino and I'm going to make sure that guy leaves my Range Rover out front because I want everybody to know I, I was like that. And, and here's a hundred dollar tip. I'm going to tip you a hundred and hundred out because that's what Carrot Top does. That's what, um, you know, I read that he does that. And so I want to be, that's, you know, I, I still want people to, 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 to know me, to, to appreciate me. And, and, um, it was just a lot of work. I don't have, I mean, I'm just getting old, Joe. I don't have any desire to do that anymore. Um, mm. but, but, but I do think going abroad, I think just resetting my mind, I think that that helped a lot. So. Yeah. A powerful part of the experience. And it's cool that you did that. Cause that's a huge it's been a huge thing for me is traveling. It's just, it's widened my perspective and awareness out of the narrow vision of what I think reality is, especially not, not just in this, uh, like where I grew up and then where I played college and then playing in the NFL, but then letting go of all that. It's like, holy shit, traveling around in a van and meeting people just from all walks of life and then traveling abroad is like expands your awareness and your understanding of different cultures. And it's so important to be a well-rounded human, to have that, that perspective shift. And sadly, I think, a lot of Americans don't really have that perspective, which is why they get so lost in all of the the bullshit and the stories. And, you know, it's really cool that you went on that journey. What what brought you back? When when did that journey kind of come to an end and say, I need I'm I'm ready to go back to the States and and kind of reintegrate into my 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 homeland? Well, so when I was with NFL China, I had a my my managing director, um he had done an executive MBA at University of Chicago, and he did it in Taiwan, I believe. He did it with a, 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 a university in Taiwan. So a lot of these, there are some joint MBA programs out in Asia where, where you, an American university will come out and they'll, um, they'll sponsor a program with, uh, with a local university. And so this pro, I, I wanted to, he thought I should do something like that. The NFL was going to pay for it. So uh, any NFL guys listening, you know, the trust um, I don't know how much they give you now, but they were given $20,000 a year to pursue a four-year degree. So I used that twice. I got 40 from them. And then um, if you're so many years out, you're, 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 um, your last team, your most recent team will reimburse you up to, I think Jacksonville gave me 45,000, reimbursed me 45,000 and, 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 and education expenses. So I got it all paid for as though I was like, I wouldn't have done it, but I went to the University of Southern California and they had a program with uh, Shanghai Jiao Tong University. So during that program, I had a Japanese classmate who said, you ought to go coach in Japan. I didn't know anything about it. I got football in Japan and they actually have a really good team. They're actually like the forefront in Asia. Like they whoop everybody in Asia, man. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, she wrote a few letters, emails on my behalf and a team in Kyoto, Kyoto University um, bit and said, we were actually looking for an American defensive coordinator this, this, the, the manager of the teams, I was going to fly out to, to California. I'm going to cancel that booked me a flight from Beijing to, to Osaka, Japan. And I met with the team and ran them through some drills and I loved it. And 
literally packed what I could. I had a girlfriend at the time. I still feel bad about this, but said goodbye to her. And I flew Beijing to Osaka and I was home. And it's like, all right, now you got to learn. The characters are somewhat similar, but now you got to learn a whole new language. Um, but I was there four and a half, four, four and a half, five years. Wow. How long did it take you to learn a language? That one was a little easier because I had, at that point I learned two and I had, I knew the process, your, your brain, you know, your brain changes and you understand what you need personally to learn the language, but you have to immerse yourself. And to anybody listening who wants to learn a language, um, you have to be willing in this, I guess, anything in life, you gotta be willing to sacrifice short term. Okay. There are areas of Beijing, areas of Shanghai, areas of all these big cities where, where you can go and find English speakers. And it's hard for an English speaker because so many people speak English. But the way to do it, you've got to sacrifice for those first six months. Go to areas of town where nobody speaks English and just do your best. And people are going to make fun of you. They're going to tell you that you should just speak English, that you're wasting your time. You got to tell them all to shut up. And you have to find someone, find a girlfriend or boyfriend, girls are listening, um, that will put up with you. Who will say, I think this guy is so cute and I think it's just awesome that he wants to learn my language and I will speak to him. And she probably doesn't speak. She probably speaks broken English. And eventually you'll not only be better than her, you'll speak better, in this case, Chinese than she speaks English. But you'll start to pass up all these other people in the social scene, like mm-hmm. all these people who learn English in school. Your Chinese is better than their English. Yeah. And, and so that takes then, about six months. It, six months, if you focus, man. I mean, I lived with a family. I live with a family who thought I was from Mexico. I did it. I did it strategically, Joe, because I so didn't you want people Spanish to, and then tried to learn. If Japanese they tried to speak social. English, I would. If they they speak English, I'd say, you uh, uh, know, I'd say something in Spanish, and 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 oh, I guess I got to speak Chinese because I don't speak any Spanish. You did this intentionally so that you could immerse yourself and oh, yeah, don't dude, speak I, English to me. I want to know how to speak Japanese. I brought t-shirts from Mexico City that had like Pumas, you know, Americano, like Pumas football. So they would really believe it. Oh, I guess this guy is from Mexico, man. He didn't speak any English. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. Because every, every, well, then what, what, what are your alternatives, man? Everybody speaks English. So if you are a bad Chinese speaker, what, put yourself in whatever country. If you, if you don't speak that language well, they will default in English and you will never learn. You're never going to get a chance. The only chance you have is to go somewhere where nobody speaks English. And most people do. Even if you go into a, um, you know, a more rural part of the area, people are going to speak some English. So where does this desire to learn these languages come from? Because it's like, this is a really unique, like thing. I've never really heard like immerse yourself. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to learn this language because I I want to so bad. Is it just another aspect of that proving yourself to yourself kind of thing? Yeah, I wanted to be, I wanted to succeed in something else, man. And I was Mm going to do it. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right, man. I'm not going to go in and just half-ass something. That's just, that's not me. And just kind of, you know, going in the circle, you know, know, finishing the circle here. I came to grips that, that, that was, that was me. It, that was what, mm. it wasn't necessarily playing on third down, like everything it took to get me to the NFL. I still had all that. I didn't lose it. Maybe I don't put the helmet on anymore, but I still have all that. I didn't lose it. Cause I felt like I lost all that. I felt like when I retired, I lost so much and it finally hit me that like, yeah, I didn't lose all that. Maybe I don't put the helmet on maybe, but I still have all those skills and all those abilities. Maybe I'm not going to, deadlift 700 pounds, but, but so what I can yeah. still put just all the energy I put into deadlift and 700 pounds. I'm going to put in the learn another language. I still have yeah. that all. That's and amazing. so that started to make me feel better and, and, and really put me at peace and put me at ease. So yeah, I wanted to make it, man. I wanted to succeed. Um, and it meant more to me as an American football player though. I do got most Americans can't speak languages. Oh yeah. I met this guy here, man. And I, I just, 
yeah, I wanted to do it and, and, um, proud that I did, but, but, but I guess, uh, you put so much weight into your NFL career, right? You put your NFL career is better than anything else you could ever do. And it took me so long to say, is that really true? You know, is this the greatest thing I'll ever do? Because, you know, it's like, I can't do this anymore. And anything else I do is going to suck. But it took me a while to say, no, 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 no. You know, the NFL was good, but everything I'm doing now is still good. You know, I'm still doing great things. You know, the NFL was just one part of my life that was great that I did well. But but I've got all these other dreams, man. I I, I'm, I still have it all in front of me. And, and so, yeah, it took time to kind of take the weight off of all that. Because for so long, that was the that was it. That was the pinnacle. And now you've got to find another pinnacle. Well, you know, it, it takes time to 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 come to grips with that. And and for me, it was, hey, you know, the NFL was unbelievable, but there are still some unbelievable things I'm doing. Is, is learning four languages just as good as making it to the NFL? I say yes. It took me a while to come to that. Some people would say no. Some people would say that's stupid. No, well, it's definitely more valuable in a way, learning four languages. Holy yeah, God. for me, you know, yeah. I don't. I think there's probably less people that can speak four languages in the world than than played in the NFL. Maybe not. Uh, well, maybe played yeah, football. You gotta, you, yeah, you gotta keep going, man. Um, somebody once told me, bro, don't let the NFL be the highlight of your obituary. And uh, and so I took uh-huh. that to heart and said, yeah, man, don't let the don't let playing fill in the blank there. But don't for me, it was the NFL. Don't let the NFL be the highlight of obituary. You know, Adam stopped playing football at 28 and that's the greatest thing he ever did. He lived to be 80, 90 and he never did anything better than that. And so I always said, you know, no, I'm going to fill it up. I still got a lot more to go here. So when they bring up the NFL, that's just going to be a smaller part. They're going to bring it up, but Hey, he played in the NFL. Oh, and then he did. And then he did. And then he did. And so that motivated me, brother. Yeah, it's part of this journey of, of of remembering who you are, not just what you do and how you apply yourself to becoming successful. Because it's you didn't you didn't become great at, at football because you're a good football player. It's because of all these intangible parts of who you are that you applied to football that became great. And then being able to understand and remember and go on a journey of okay, the thing that got me to be a great football player was not because I was just a good athlete. It's because of all these intangibles that I developed and this mindset and this ability to push myself outside my comfort zone and learn and grow and fail and handle competition and all of these things and being able to apply that into other things. And once you really figure that out, the, the world opens up. It's like, what are we actually capable of? If we achieved one of the statistically most challenging things to do. I mean, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times when I was a kid, I was like, I want to play in the NFL. I was like, well, you know how fucking hard that is. You should probably find a plan B or do something else. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. And then being able to accomplish that, achieve that. And now it's like, okay, it takes time for me to start learning a new skill. And, but I'm applying myself in the same way with that tenacity, that passion. And it's cool to finally start getting to a place like, holy shit, I can accomplish things that is so much greater than just an NFL. And I, th- I feel the same way. That's just an aspect of who I am but I feel like I'm just getting started on this, on this greater journey of, of what I'm being called to create. Yeah, bro. I mean, that's, that's, uh, agree hundred percent. I mean, that, that was me. So I, I, you know, you, you, you're, you're trying to make it the NFL for, 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 you know, your whole life and you're, that's all you do. And all of a sudden now, I mean, it's only been, you know, 12 years. I mean, I, I, I wanted to make it to the NFL far, far longer than that, you know, for, for, for far longer period of time. And so, I guess, you know, I had to go kind of easy on myself and say, look, um, 
you know, there's still more to do and, and, and I can still be born. Like you said, all those, all those intangibles, all those skills that you, that you had that got you to the NFL, you still have those, man. You still have them. I mean, now that being said, I still miss the smell of the grass. I mean, I still mm. miss, I still miss the jitters, but, 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 um, you know, it's, that's, that's part of it, man. That's part of the retired experience. Everybody retires, man. Everybody has to hang it up at some point. So, yeah. What's your, what's your vision now? What do you, what do you want to create? What do you, what are your aspirations, ambitions? What, what, what is it that you're putting your energy into? What's the next thing with, with this? I mean, learning four languages and traveling the world. And it's just, it's insane, dude. So where, where are you putting all that energy into now? I'm trying to be a dad, trying to be a good father, you know, a lot of tummy time with my kids. Um, <laughs> um, but just being a better person, you know, I, I, I had kids later in life. I mean, I'm, I'll be 41 in, in June. Um, How has that but, experience uh, shifted you? Well, it's, it's made me better, man. It's made me a lot better. I, 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 I was scared to death. I didn't, I did I didn't necessarily want kids. I, 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 uh, everybody said it's different when you have your own. I didn't believe them. It's true. I mean, it is mm-hmm. different, but it's made me better. Um, I thought it wouldn't, I thought it would, uh, um, it would kind of handicap me here and it's actually made me better, man. I, um, I take better care of myself. I get up earlier. Um, I'm more disciplined, um, cut out a lot of things in life that weren't, that weren't doing me any good. Um, my, 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 my spouse is very supportive. She takes care of me. She motivates me and, and it gives me a purpose. Like it gives me just another purpose in life. Like I want to be a good father. I want my kids to be a success. Um, so I mean, get up earlier, go to bed a little earlier, um, eat better, um, you know, especially being older. You know, I don't want to be that old dad. You know, I want my kids to still think I'm hip and cool. And so it motivates me to stay in shape, take care of myself. Um, you know, we're just, uh, it, it, it's different, man, but, but still trying to find time to also, you know, have some, some, some alone time to have that, you know, and, and, and I get it. I mean, we, 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 we my, my, my wife and I, she's awesome. We, we, you know, we understand that she gets some time to herself. I get time to myself. Um, that's which, so important, um, man. It's very important, man. Yeah. Cause your kids, like, you know, they'll drive you yeah. crazy. If you're just 24 seven, you gotta, you gotta take some time yourself and ask for help. Um, and, and, and you know, keep yourself going. So, um, but it's yeah. been good, man. It's been good growing, you know, growing a real estate investment company. We, we went under contract on a, on a former family dollar about a week ago, a family dollars moving out the owner, um, Bought, built them another one. And so it's about 8,000 square foot, just empty space. I think it has a lot of potential, picked it up for a good price and, uh, close on that 21st and then, you know, try to get it rented out. Um, and then we'll look to the next investment, but yeah, that's a lot of fun. I enjoy the, the competition competing against sellers and buyers, um, fixing up properties, trying to, you know, maximize value that that gives me a lot of fulfillments as well so you're back in vegas now right full circle yeah full circle on the conversation what brought you back there um it's just home it's all my connections are here all my connections are here all my childhood friends are here um how did it feel when you first came back oh it felt a little weird uh you know my sister has had she's got three kids and i wanted to be an uncle i wanted to be in and more involved in their lives um but also i started to get a little you know, after, you know, God, what, eight, nine, 10 years of living abroad, it started to, you know, honestly started to get a little old. It felt like I was living a vacation every day, which sounds great to some people, but, um, yeah, if your vacation's your vacation, it's not a vacation. <laughs> no, it wasn't it, but it just felt like, you know, I, I, I wanted to be, you felt you know, stagnant. 
Yeah. I mean, it was, it was fun coaching football in Japan, but it was never going to be like a a career. It was just fun to do. It was, you you made decent money. Tell me about this. You did that for four years. Um, yeah, for four years, man. So I coached, uh, Kyoto university for three and then I coached a a semi-pro team and, um, in uh, a little town outside of Osaka called Amagasaki. Um, and that must've been fun, dude. I always, I always dream about going back and coaching, just being a part of the game in that way. And being able yeah, to yeah. So yeah, you can actually see, I got a little, uh, little, uh, banner there. My Chinese family gave me, man, I want to kind of show it off there. So I probably lighting's probably not as good, but, um, anyway, but, um, yeah, it, um, dope, man. yeah, it's been good. It was good. Um, so just coming back now and, and getting something going, you know, I, 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 you know, trying to find a job, um, I don't know how you've done or if you tried, but it, it's not the easiest thing to do when you've just been playing football. You don't have a ton of experience. And so I, I tried to send out my resume and it was, I got some interviews, but I was, it was, it was hard. It was hard to lock something down. And eventually I just said, you know, I'm a, just like I had my whole life and I said, I'm going to bet on myself and had some property and, and, and started to buy more risky stuff, bought some, you know, fourplexes and re- retail centers and, and lower income areas my Spanish is good. And I found that I love it. I love the connection with the tenants. I love the relationships and, um, you know, kind of growing something, um, grow, you know, cause with football, you know, you know, it's going to come to an end and it's, it's, it sucks to put all your time. Like you said, you, you train your ass off and it comes to an end, you know, but like I said, I took what I could from football and I carried it with me. And now I'm trying to build something that I can do, you know, in the wee years of my life. So beautiful, man. I really appreciate it. Um, if you could give yourself uh, one piece of advice back 10 years ago when you were first walking away from the game or maybe, yeah, when you were first walking away from the game and going through that big transition or, or leading up to that, what, what, would you, what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now? I, I just say you had, I say, I'd tell myself to keep my head up, man. I'd say you had a great career. Even if people say you don't, uh, I was very hard on myself. And I was very angry and I was very, I felt like I let everybody down and I felt like my coaches who said I would never be this pro bowl player, all pro, they got the best of me. And it was really frustrating and I I would never be able to prove them wrong. And I I guess that was a lot, again, that was further motivation to go out and try to make something of myself. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it go back even farther, man. Go back 10 years from then and I'm in high school. And if I'd have said I was just, you know, I just wanted to be drafted, that would have been a success. To start in college would have been a success. I mean, so when is it, when, when is it enough? Uh, so, you know, if you, if you get to be, you know, you know, work, you know, what do you got to get five years or so and you're vested and you're, I'm a vested NFL veteran, man. You get your pension coming, you get your 401k, your annuity, all your health, everything you got. Um, is that successful? That would have been a success in college. But it wasn't anymore. And so I would just say, look, man, you, you were successful. You're successful. Now, now, you know, go out and be successful in something else. But, but yeah, I would have just, I would have told myself to keep my head up, man. I mean, there's, there's, there are far greater tragedies in life, Joe, than not winning a Super Bowl, man, than not being an all pro. And, and I, don't I think know if, if there you, is, that's I th- pretty bad. Yeah. I, I think, I think if you, uh, I think if you watch any edition of the nightly news or front page of any, newspaper man you'll you'll come to you'll you'll understand that really quickly man a lot of a lot of heartache and pain in the world um and so i would yeah i would try to i i needed the experience man for for me to realize it but yeah i would have told myself hey you know 
keep your head up. You know, you, you did well, you did fine. Even if, you know, some people are always going to say you did, you're always going to have those critics. My opinion mm-hmm. is that you didn't make it because you didn't start enough games. You didn't win a Super Bowl, so you suck, but I mean, so what, man? Yeah. For someone that's found so much success and, and has traveled and accomplished so much and challenged yourself in so many different ways that I've never even thought about challenging myself, how, how would you define success? Like, what is success for you and what does that look like? And how has that evolved over your experience of life? Um, I think success, man, it, it's, 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 it's getting up. I mean, it can be cliche, man, but it's, it's, it's answering the bell every morning. It's answering the bell every morning, regardless of, of, of whatever is getting thrown at you. It's easy to get up out of bed when things are going well. It's easy to sell houses, to buy houses when the market's on the up. It's easy to invest when things are going well. It, it's when things are hard. And, you know, some people never get up, man. Some people never, some, something knocks people down and they never get up. And we're all, we're all going to face challenges in life. I'm convinced they come in different shapes and forms. Some, some are self-inflicted and some aren't. You may be doing well, but something may happen to your kids. Something may happen at work. Wasn't your fault, but we're all dealt a certain amount of crap in life. And you, you just have to keep pushing forward. And I, um, you know, something I've always, uh, I, I try to keep a lot of this in my mind, but, but, you know, one of the biggest differences between successful and unsuccessful people is this, you know, successful people happen to life and unsuccessful people, you know, life happens. It's always, woe is me. Something happened to me. It's not my fault. Don't you know what I'm going through? And that's not to say we don't need to reach out once in a while. You know, everybody needs to reach out and, and talk and get help. But, um, you know, bad things happen. You got to keep moving forward. And had I let any of this stuff happen to me in life, put, keep me down, then I, I wouldn't have moved on to the next thing. I wouldn't have moved on to the next thing. Um, yeah, it really, it really is a, really is a state of being. It's a, it's, it's this difference between, you know, a victim consciousness or a creator consciousness. And it's, it's the lens in which you view reality and the same things can happen to, you know, two different people and they, they experience them in, in widely different ways. And that's a, it's an inner, inner journey an inner decision. It's a, it's shifting your perspective and, and being grateful for both the good things in life and the challenges, because all the challenges are really showing you what you're made of, who you are and uh, what you're, what you're capable of. And, and you're definitely a testament to that and, and really appreciate you coming on, man. And, and sharing that with this, this wild journey you've been on, man. And uh, it's really been, been super incredible to connect with you, uh, a formal uh, UNLV rebel man who, who played in the league. It's, and, and it's crazy how similar our stories are. And we, we, we experienced different things and we, we chose to kind of navigate the path in different ways. But as you're talking, man, it's, I see so much of myself in you and uh, it's really cool to, to connect in this way. Yeah, bro. It's a pleasure, man. I appreciate having me on. And, and this was good for me, man. I needed to talk and, and I needed to get some of this out. Um, but yeah, man, it's, 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 it's success is truly a, it's a journey, man. It's, it's not a desk. You got to keep moving and you have, you know, something good happens today, but, but you got to be prepared for what's going to happen tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, you just got to keep going. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I look back and I'm, I'm some things I wish I'd have done differently, but, but it shaped me and, and obviously shaped you as well. And, and, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative for the NFL. I'm very thankful for what it, it afforded me, the opportunities it gave me. And uh, for a while there, I was very angry. Um, but, but, you know, I'm, I'm part of the brotherhood as you are, man. And so we were, we're, we're, we're not, you know, we're, 
it's a very small fraternity, man. Even regardless of how many years you play, it, it's it's still a small fraternity, man. So, um, how did you? How did you, uh, you? You said you deal with a little bit of anger, and and you were angry, and 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 how, how have you processed some of that emotion, and and really worked through that over over the last uh, since you've been done playing? Oh gosh, a lot of a uh, lot of running, man. I, I, I love to run. Loved uh, a lot of a lot of yoga, cardiovascular. But I also talk to myself a lot, and I'm not afraid to admit that. I used to be a little when I was younger. I thought I was embarrassed, but I talk to myself a lot. I try to get out. I mean, I talk to myself just like this, but I'll be talking to that wall over there, man, just to get out what I want to say, what's going on in life to, 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 to sort out my feelings. I write a lot of stuff down, Joe. I, I'm a very meticulous note taker. I, I jot things down all the time just to get it on paper, to look at it. And I may go back days later and what the heck was I, what was this? Um, but, 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 um, yeah, man, it's just, I, I do believe that competitors like us, we got to have something motivating us always. You, you can't just, you know, Coach Fox used to say this, you know, we could all just buy a boat and sail around the world, but what, what, what would be the point of that? I mean, why do we do this? I mean, he's right. You, know, you got to have some something to get you out of bed every morning. And for me, it, it's my kids and it's, it's real estate investment. I truly love doing it. I love um, the competition and I love my kids and I love keeping myself in shape. Um, and for me, that's winning to me, that's success. And, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, no, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's exciting. It's scary. It, you still miss football. I'll, I'll look at a game, but, but, um, thankful that I made it. I don't know if you feel that way, Matt, at the end of the day, dude, you made it, man. I mean, you, you had a small window to make it and you did. I mean, how many people can say that, man? So. Not very many, man. Not very many, and I've definitely had to do a lot of, a lot of, a lot of work to to reconcile that. No, you did, to, you to, did, to, man. To but think all the things that think all the things that had to happen for you to make it. Think of all like I think of the things in college and the high school and the pros. Like you had to have a few breaks here and there. You make your breaks, though. I believe that you make your breaks. You know, yeah. Things happen. When you the opportunity make it, presents itself. Yeah, you got to take it, man. So, yeah. Awesome, brother. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, is I know you're not super active on socials and all that, but is there any anywhere people can connect with you if they feel called to reach out or anywhere they can find you, website? Yeah, or? I mean, I, my, my, my Facebook page, it's Hartford. H -A, it's my middle name, H-A-R-T-F-O-R-D, and then Adam, A-D-A-M. So it's my middle name and then my first name. And it's a picture of the South China Sea. <laughs> Um, I went down to Hong Kong and there's a little really cool beach right out. If anybody ever goes to Hong Kong called Sheko, Sheko beach, right outside of Hong Kong, you can take a bus and get there and you're literally in the South China sea. It's unbelievable. Um, just lay in there and just be at peace. Um, but yeah, if anybody wanted to write me on, on, on Facebook, uh, and I'm, I, I'm old, I don't have any Instagram or Snapchat. I don't, I don't know what's TikTok. I'm, I'm old man, but um, if people wanted to reach out, they could, but Instagram, I've so you know, like all that shit's just like a whole fucking thing, a whole fucking thing. I, I'm not super. No, man. It's anymore. just time. I mean, I, I guess the old Adam would have been into it. I, I used to be that guy who would post yeah. and I Look always share my p p opinions with everything. Yeah. And now I'm just like, dude, that's cool, man. But I, I'm more of the guy who wants to know why you feel that way. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I lean far more conservative, but I do have a lot of liberal friends and, I just want to know, explain to me why, because I want to understand. It's not that, you know, not, we're not bad people. You just feel differently. And I, I want to understand how you feel. That'll help me find, you know, my cousins are very liberal. 
and we have a lot of conversations and it's, as long as we can keep them healthy, like, why do you feel that way? I, maybe I'm missing something, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I don't get it. So, and I, I think if more people looked at, came into discussions, like maybe I'm the issue, then I think we'd have better results. So. Yeah, that, I mean, we can get into that whole that whole deep. Uh, that'll be another another, another, another where, time. Yeah, man, we'll so. save that conversation for another time. Until then, yeah, man, so. really appreciate you. Thanks for coming on, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Hey, baby, go Rebels, man! It's always a pleasure.